the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. I guess I'm a little bit of a cynic, but every time I hear this type of announcement in the Gospels, every time Jesus says the kingdom is here or nearly here or at hand, whatever that means, I think, no, it isn't. Or in my most generous moments, I imagine myself asking Jesus, okay, if the kingdom is here or nearly here, why can't I see it? You just said that John is in jail. John is in prison, but good news, the kingdom is here. Is it? What evidence did Simon, Andrew, James, and John have that this is true? What evidence do we have that it's true? I feel like, among other things, if the kingdom were near, John wouldn't be in jail. But that's just me. Do you see it? We have the benefit of 2,000 years of hindsight, and still I have to ask, not rhetorically, but genuinely, because I do not know the answer, can you see the kingdom of God? Are you experiencing it? Do you feel like it's here? What would that even look like? It's worth noting that the synoptic Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, include quite a lot about what God is doing to restore creation, which is what the kingdom of God means. The kingdom of God is not the same thing as heaven or the afterlife. And it's a central theme of Jesus' ministry that the kingdom of God is coming, here, on earth, and soon. The kingdom is supposed to be a time when the whole creation will reflect the character and will of its creator. Do you feel like that has arrived? I don't. When it comes down to it, I'm a lot more like Jonah than Simon and the other fishermen we meet in today's reading. It's so lovely to think of our favorite fishermen abandoning their nets without a second thought, but I'm more like Jonah, who in the first chapter of this book not only demurs from the assignment God gives him, but tries to literally flee God's presence. Only after he's been eaten and subsequently regurgitated by a fish does he agree to speak to the people of Nineveh, which is where we meet him today in chapter 3. After Jonah delivers the message God gives him, people of Nineveh pull themselves together, so to speak, and God decides not to smite the city after all. God's kingdom, a time when God and the people exist in the harmony for which they were created, arrives in Nineveh. And do you notice who ushers it in? It's not God. It's Jonah. And Jonah doesn't even like the Ninevites. So I'm looking around for evidence of God's kingdom, of God's creation existing in the harmony for which it was intended and I'm not seeing it. And I'm waiting for God, and I am annoyed. Because it's been 2,000 years since Jesus said the kingdom was any minute now. But then I wonder, maybe as I'm waiting for God, God's waiting for me. Maybe like Jonah and the Ninevites, and like Simon and Andrew and the sons of Zebedee, we have a role to play. Maybe we are the ones we're waiting for. My favorite theologian is a now-retired professor of philosophy at Syracuse. 
His name is John Caputo, and he turns everything I thought I knew about God upside down. Or, more accurately, he points out that in dying on the cross, Jesus turns everything we thought we knew about God upside down. We would expect, for example, a God who ushers in his own kingdom, and with a certain amount of pomp and circumstance. What we get is a God in Jesus who demonstrates no power at all, but only weakness and surrender. In Caputo's view, it's important that God's weakness, what he calls the folly of God, isn't an act. Jesus isn't just acting weak to prove a point or remaining on the cross as a choice in anticipation of the big reveal of the resurrection. Jesus really is weak. Jesus really is incapable of getting down off the cross. God not only doesn't, but can't usher in the kingdom. Caputo characterizes God not as a being, but as a voice. I'm oversimplifying, but bear with me. A voice that is calling for the kingdom. The voice of God has no power to enforce, but only to invite. As God's voice does so many times in Scripture. God's voice calls to Moses, to the prophets, to Jonah. And Jesus calls at first to four fishermen. Let me show you how it's supposed to be, God's voice says. And let me show you the role that you will play. Some people have doubts, like Moses. Some people run away, like Jonah. And some people drop their nets and immediately follow. But the voice calls to us all. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Caputo says, this is my favorite thing, the question is not, is there a God? But will there have been God? And the deciding factor is what we do next. I extrapolate from that and ask not, is there a kingdom of God, but will there have been a kingdom of God? It is up to us, in the end, whether we will answer the call. Not to recruit, but to love, as Jesus showed us, and to make the kingdom true. Did you know that the Gospel of Mark has a really disappointing ending? The women find the empty tomb, and they're scared and they never tell anyone. The end. There is no gardener, there is no road to Emmaus, there is no doubting Thomas in Mark. There's only fear and fighting. It's interesting to me that the book that starts with such willing participants, Simon and Andrew and James and John, ends with such a flop. But maybe it's not a flop. Maybe an invitation. Maybe we are the ones meant to carry the message, to finish the story, to usher in the kingdom. Maybe we're the ones we're waiting for. The question, of course, is what does that look like? If the ball's in our court, so to speak, what are we supposed to be doing with it? God's voice, the call that beckons and welcomes and waits for the kingdom, sounds like a lot of things in scripture, but here in Mark, it sounds like this. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Which is, you know, an exceedingly weird thing to say. I've been thinking about this 
all week. And I think, and I'm, I'm wondering, what, what does that mean? For one thing, what are these people doing in the water? And I think maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're drowning. Maybe fishing for people isn't winning people over to our point of view, but reaching over the side of our boat and pulling them aboard. What better way to usher in the kingdom than to look around and give a hand to somebody who needs it? There are a million opportunities to do this every day. But I'll point out the one that's on my mind at the moment, and that's our mission of the month, which is Bridges to Independence. As you've heard, Bridges is an organization that's leading families out of homelessness in Arlington. And I think a great way to make the kingdom true would be to support the work that they're doing. We come here every week, some of us less frequently than that, and we hear about what God has done, and we hear about what God is doing, and it is not insignificant. Jesus brought the kingdom to our doorstep. Jesus showed us how to live, how to love, how powerful weakness is. But it's up to us now, because God doesn't enforce the kingdom. God only invites. We are the ones we've been waiting for.